BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing open enrollment, creditors in your DMs, and falling rents. Yeah, buddy. This is our Friday flight episode where we look at the headlines, uh, where we specifically look to the non-political headlines, and we figure out how it is that those stories are going to affect us and our money. Because you know, hard what? to find any non-political headlines this week. By the way, <laughs> it was actually we have a lot. I was, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> we uh, there, there's a good amount that, that that was going on this week. But yeah, I mean, that being said, there have been a ton of political news, and they do have an impact here and there on our money. But dude, in the end, there is so much more that we can do ourselves. There are steps that we can take that, that, that have nothing to do with politics yeah. and policy. And uh, we actually have like a lot of great stories that are going to actually help people with their personal finances this week yeah. on today's episode. So, yeah, and that's what we do every Friday, by every the way. Every Friday. We, yeah, we look at the news and figure out how this has to do with your money. But before we get to that, real quick, I want to let you know that uh, I we had a tropical storm come through Atlanta. I know it. Just over a week ago. Yep. And I had a, a limb fall down off a tree and bust my uh, <laughs> rear window in the <laughs> Nissan you're not sharing this with me. You're sharing this with the listeners because I, I knew that. Sometimes we pretend that we don't know what the other <laughs> one's about to say. <laughs> but no. th- this is definitely an instance where you sent me that picture that morning and I was like, oh, no, dude, I'm so sorry. Who would have thought that a Category 2 hurricane 
coming ashore in like New Orleans or, or wherever it landed was going to equal us losing power for I mean basically like multiple days right. around Halloween. And, and when you when it, you rode around town, the trees that were oh down, it, it was just the, insane. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but the amount of wind, man, that that yeah, it took down trees in particular, like in our neighborhoods where we've got these hundred year old oaks and branches down and, and yeah, all that action. But yeah, the funniest thing though about your your story, your windshield was uh, the uh, the insurance conversation that you had. Yeah, so with, uh, with your wife. <laughs> well, like she asked me, well, all right, are we gonna file an insurance claim? Like most people probably think to do. Right? I had multiple neighbors saying yeah. the same thing. Oh, I'm sorry about your window. Have you talked to insurance yet? Um, and my response, you know, trying to be the super nice, not too um, preachy financial <laughs> guy, like, no, I'm not going to talk to insurance. Are like, you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's literally. I called up a mobile glass repair guy. He came out within a couple days. He had to order order the the new windshield, and it was four hundred four hundred and fifteen dollars was the total out the door price to get my car back up to parts normal. and labor. Yeah, four fifty. Four fifteen. Four fifteen. That's nothing. Not too bad. Yeah. So and, and, and a deductible. The minimum deductible on a car is typically either 250 or 500 um, or it should be that much or it should be more like yeah, you should have yeah, your deductible set even higher which i not do. lower like cause some people have it set lower right like right. around 100 bucks because they think well i don't want to have to pay a you know full 400 bucks but the main reason that we do encourage folks to raise those deductibles and pay out of pocket is to avoid making claims with your insurance company uh, in order to keep your premiums low. Because the more often you use it, uh, you have a higher likelihood of seeing your premiums go up. Uh, and those increased rates due to maybe higher risk that the insurer perceives for you sticks around for years and years. Years Way more than just a, a few hundred bucks now. That's right. That's right. So I would rather pay it out of pocket, one, because my deductible is higher than, than the cost of re- you know, replacing, you gotta replacing like the, the window. Five hundred bucks? No, I think my deductible is at a thousand. So yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. That's, that's how you get that real savings. The highest amount that I can set it. My at. deductible is at five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, the insurance company won't let you go that high. Um, but but yeah, I, I just wanted to let let everybody know that that those minor things. Don't even call your insurance company about something that's just a minor accident. Get a quote first to see whether you can afford to replace it on your own. And at the same time, uh, call your insurer and see, well, if I do up my deductible, how much can I save over the next 12 months? Um, and and then pocket that savings. Put it in a savings account so you yeah. can be prepared for the next possible accident to where you're essentially self-insured and you can afford to take care of that you know, busted window um, or minor scratch on your own. Yeah, luckily we didn't have any big limbs come down uh, in around our house. But uh, if they had been, I think we maybe, hopefully, we would have avoided a branch because when uh, in the fall, I tend to park the van out on the street because all the leaves fall on top of the car, man. It gets so filthy, you know, like all the leaves that get oh, down yeah. into like the air vents, down into the little trim, and you kind of hit it with a blower, and then it like shoots it down further into it. And then <laughs> it's basically a part of the vehicle yeah. <laughs> at that point. But yeah, man, sorry that that happened to you. But at the same time, I'm glad uh, you're able to get that fixed yeah, pretty man. quickly and easy. Yeah, especially as as you're riding around town. I'm riding around on my bike, checking things out, and just so many trees down, cars damaged severely. Um, Some people had had homes damaged, of course. And and so, yeah, I feel bad for those people who have like a lot of damage to take care of. A a busted windshield, really, not that big a deal in the scheme of things. Yeah, not that big of a deal, man. Let's uh, let's continue to talk about some of the stories that we came across this week. And let's talk about rent. The uh, the pandemic has had a a pretty meaningful impact on where people want to live. There have been a, a lot of stories about people fleeing cities like New York and San Francisco. Maybe you've seen podcast episodes out there saying like, our city's dead? I don't know. It's a, it's a question. It's a debate for us. But rents are falling in many U.S. cities right now because of this lack of demand. Uh, this makes 
makes sense, right? Because, you know, the things that people love about living in these cities has changed dramatically due to COVID. I don't know when there's been this kind of period of time where there weren't Broadway plays going on in New York. I don't think ever. And we saw in Bloomberg that they noted that the average rents in 30 core cities have dropped more than 5%, uh, while average rents in the suburbs of those cities have inched up half a percentage point. Again, in cities like San Francisco and New York, it's even more. I think maybe, you know, it's it's down more like 15%. And these rent price dynamics have a big impact on, on on how you should proceed if you are a renter in particular if you're looking at maybe uh, re-signing that lease or maybe you're looking at a new place. Yeah, totally. If you're re-signing a lease in the near future, chances are you should be paying a lot less than you were paying last year, especially if you live in one of these core cities. Knowing, for example, that like in Manhattan, uh, Brooklyn or Queens, that, that rents have plummeted. Um, and that the, the new normal for monthly rent is quite a bit less than last year when you sign your lease. That gives you an edge when you're negotiating with your current landlord or you're looking around, shopping around to find an, another place to live. Um, inventory is way up in these locations. So just a couple of tips. Uh, since rents are down, don't get married to a particular building or a unit. Don't um, get obsessed with one place and decide that you have to have it. The more flexible you can be about the, the place you're willing to live, uh, the more you can potentially save. And also, too, be flexible about the terms. If a landlord wants you know, a six-month or a one-year or maybe even like a two-year lease right now, maybe they're worried about the potential for um, rents to, to drop even further in the coming months. Well, the more you can be flexible, the higher likelihood that you'll be able to save money on your rent every every month. So obviously we're in an odd time, but yeah, use these falling rent prices uh, to your advantage as a renter. Yeah, definitely, man. And it's also, I think, worth pointing out to kind of approach some of these stories with a level head. Because I know when I see a story like this, it, it makes me think, oh, there's an opportunity here. Like now's the time to live in New York City. But <laughs> like the price, uh, you know, rent prices, it's, it's only one factor. It's only one reason that you should consider moving if you are considering moving at all. And so it's, it's again, something you do want to keep in mind. But at the same time, that shouldn't be your only reason to, you know, want to maybe uproot yourself or even your family to someplace totally new. Let's keep moving, man. It's uh, it's enrollment season when it comes to healthcare, and we want to specifically talk about HSAs, which are health savings accounts. And we saw recently that only six percent of people that contribute to an HSA actually invest inside of it. And this is according to the Employee Benefits Research Institute. That is not good, man. Oh no. Yeah, I would much. I would like to see a lot more people actually investing and not just having that money sitting there as cash. Because HSAs are are pretty great as a vehicle for paying for current medical necessities while avoiding tax on that money. But HSAs are overwhelmingly excellent if you invest that money for decades instead. Uh, Back in episode 105, we discussed HSAs in detail. So check that out if you want all the details. But yeah, especially since we are in the open enrollment season, you know, if your health is in good condition, if you're enrolling in an HSA eligible healthcare plan, uh, and if you want to invest more for the future, go the HSA route and, you know, don't just actually stick money, stick cash inside that HSA where it sits there as cash. Make sure that you are actually investing the money within that account. That's right. And uh, two of our favorite companies, by the way, for opening an HSA with are Fidelity and Lively because of the low fees that they offer uh, and the awesome access to investment options. So we'll link to both of those in our show notes. Last week, we actually talked about uh, changing tax brackets, Matt, and then a, a minor increase in the amount that people can save in a SEP IRA. I think an additional thousand bucks uh, coming up <laughs> the, next yeah, year. The new IRS guidelines. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? The HSA actually got a little bit of a bump up too. Oh. An extra 
50 bucks, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and 100 bucks for families. So the new HSA contribution limits are 3,600 for individuals and 7,200 for families. And a uh, little extra note too, people over 55, well, they can save an extra $1,000 a year nice. too. Yeah. So don't neglect the HSA. You know, Matt and I, we really do think it's one of the best retirement plans out there if you use it correctly because you're never ever taxed on any of that money, which is why it's so important to not be with the 94% of people who aren't investing inside of it. Be like those 6% of people and start investing inside of your HSA because it's just one of the best ways to long-term invest for your future. Yeah, that's right. Pay for those medical expenses out of pocket and try not to touch that HSA money. Treat it more like a retirement account. All right. So there's an awful new debt collector rule, Joel. The, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, also known as the CFPB, they just finalized a rule this week that will allow debt collectors to contact consumers by email, text, and by social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like seriously, what <laughs> is up with that? <laughs> Dude, this, is, uh, this is such bad news. Uh, Consumer Reports, the, uh, they say that each creditor will be able to uh, have the ability to send an unlimited number of texts, emails, and social media messages to you. So that's where the uh, slide into the DMs uh, <laughs> title came from that we mentioned. Like I'm not already getting enough spam <laughs> like on social <laughs> media and in my text message inbox. It's, dude, it's terrible. Uh, considering you know that this is an industry that is like already willing to stoop to some really low levels in order to get paid, this is bad news for those who owe money. Yeah. And, and Matt, as it turns out, a lot of Americans do owe money, yeah. right? Uh, according to the National Consumer Law Center, one in four adults have a bill that is in collections at any given time. So this is going to have an impact on a whole lot of Americans. And the CFPB did say that consumers can opt out of these updated electronic communication methods, but they haven't explained how that's going to be implemented. <laughs> uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll get an update on that and be able to relay that to everyone, how to, to avoid uh, debt collectors in your DMs, because it sounds terrible. But even though this is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau who issued this new rule, it certainly doesn't seem like this is a federal bureau that has, at least currently, the interests of Americans as a whole in mind. Matt, back in the day, you and I, we got to interview Richard Cordray, who helped start and found the CFPB. He was the first director. Yeah, and, and his mission was a good one. And he actually did a great job at reining in some of the excesses of the financial services industry and protecting Americans. And right now, the CFPB has lost sight of some of that mission and allowing uh, debt collectors to contact you, you know, via DMs on Twitter or through Facebook Messenger or texting you at all hours of the day. Uh, that's just bad news for all of us. Yeah, like I understand the need to update communication methods, right? Like, because before this, like they could only make those phone calls. But at the same time, the fact that they have outlined how often uh, you can be contacted via these, you know, social media platforms, which is unlimited. The, the, the fact that they have that outlined and they don't have outlined how it is that you can opt out of, you know, some of this electronic communication just kind of tells you where their priorities are. Right. Yeah. In my opinion. Agreed. So the next steps, you know, for if you have debt in collections, first of all, luckily this rule doesn't go into effect for another year. So there's a chance maybe it can be changed before then. But regardless, if you're being contacted by a creditor today, you know, by the phone, or <laughs> if it's by Instagram next year, you always want to make sure that you verify that the debt is actually yours. Because of the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act of 1977, you have the right to ask for the debt collector to provide you with details of how they calculated and arrived at the total debt uh, that they're, they're trying to collect from you, you know, as well as the name of the uh, original creditor who you owed. And so this is an important step uh, since collection agencies 
incompetence, you know, or sometimes they just don't care. Uh, that means that they might be seeking a debt from someone maybe just with a similar name as, as yours, or maybe they have the wrong person altogether. They're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. And I just want to mention too, that obviously debt collectors have a job to do and there's a lot of people that do owe a legitimate debt and they should pay that debt. It's just that this is an industry that sometimes goes uh, to excess when it comes to collecting debts and sometimes they violate the law. Yeah, we're not against people paying their debts, but we're maybe against the harassment of individuals in particular, yeah, when the law is being broken. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. Wanted to mention that and, and hopefully we get a little more information on how you can protect yourself from a social media harassment campaign from from debt collectors if you actually do owe a debt. All right, Matt, one other thing, speaking of folks reaching out to you via text, there have been some reports of new stimulus check text message scams. Obviously, uh, there isn't a new round of stimulus checks, not yet at least. And so if you receive a text or email saying otherwise, don't click on that link. <laughs> it might be tempting because you're like, wait, money coming toward Free coming my money? way. I want some. <laughs> that sounds great. I can use it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not legit. And, and it just reminds me of our recent conversation with Carol Terrio recently on cybersecurity. Uh, listen back to that one if you haven't already for some great tips to keep you and your money safe. Because you know these sorts of scams, this sort this sort of intrusion into your email inbox and into uh, where you hang out in social media, it's just becoming more of the norm. And she had some great thoughts on how you can protect yourself and your money. Uh, All right, Matt, we got more to get to, including a a new interesting survey on who owes the most when it comes to student loans. We'll get to that and more right after this break. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so Woo-hoo. we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty or 
you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice and it's super thirst quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon I'll have some. It's super easy and it's affordable too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. All right, we are back. and We have a whole slew of uh, additional stories that we're going to get to. Joel, let's talk about working from home. Uh, we want to make sure that individuals out there, that you're being careful, uh, that you're not working too much if you're one of the millions of folks who are now working from home. Oh, don't worry about me, Matt. I'm not. <laughs> I've got no worries at all that you're working too much. <laughs> We're talking about other people. They, they could fall prey to working too much. That's true. But some folks I know have somewhere between two and even three hours back in their day, thanks to not having to get ready for work, thanks to not having to commute. Yeah, and, uh, and we live in the great city of Atlanta where commutes are off the wall it's, crazy. It's a real thing. Uh, and so for most folks, it's, it's, you know, it's more like probably an under an hour of found time. Even that's nice. Uh, but many workers are, are now using a lot of that time that is now theirs that they've reclaimed, right? But they're taking that and they're dedicating it to their employer. Lame. They're working more. Uh, the University of Chicago did a study recently to see where people's extra hours are going. And it looks like more than one third of the hours that people aren't spending on their commute are being spent working. And so this is something we want to point out because I think in some situations, if you want to work more, that's fine, right? I mean, in particular, if you bill hourly, like that means you're probably getting paid more. Or, or if you want to maybe get ahead at work, working more is, you know, that's a good thing to do. But it's about being aware of the fact that this might be happening to you and you may not even realize it, right? Like it, like it used to leave for work at seven, 
uh, and maybe you didn't start working though until like 7.45 or 8. But now you're still used to, you know, leaving the house, quote unquote, leaving the house at 7. And so you start working at 7 and then you take that, you multiply that times 2. That's a lot of time, a lot of additional time that's going towards work. Yeah, yeah. And that same University of Chicago study revealed that childcare obviously makes that list as well for a lot of people. They're spending a lot right. more time with their kids, facilitating in-home learning, or uh, some of the kids maybe haven't been able to go back to daycare. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you are spending a lot more time with your kids and it's become harder to work. But a lot of people are working more. Um, and I think it made sense too, Matt, particularly in the beginning of the lockdown, the people were working more, right? We were all trying to kind of get our bearings and figure out how working from home would actually work out in our lives. But most of us at this point have developed a bit of a rhythm. So it's important to make sure that you create some barriers between you and your work so that you're not overworking yourself just because your laptop is right there in in your house. And I think that's what people can easily and have easily fallen prey to. And Matt, in episode 182, we talked about, you know, some tips to help people work from home effectively. And a couple of things we mentioned was having a dedicated workspace, which means not working from your bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and not working from the kitchen table in all likelihood either. Having a, a called out space in your house where you get work done. And then having hard work hours, making sure you know when you're on and off the clock and not deviating from that can really help you to create proper barriers and avoid overworking just because your work is essentially in your house now. Yeah, having a dedicated time to work as well as a dedicated space to work is ideal. Yeah, and taking a couple of breaks too during the day. I think when people work from home, sometimes they forget the rhythms of a normal work day um, when they were in the office. And there were break times built in there too, right? Uh, a walk down the hall, uh, a visit to see a coworker. And so take that break, step outside, whatever it takes to get yourself clear headed and refreshed to kind of get back at it. Do you miss that walk down to the break room where you reach in there and grab, grab yourself a Coca-Cola every oh, afternoon? Always. <laughs> so we've talked about authorized user status before, right? With credit cards. How this can be a good way to, to help lift your credit score. So for example, maybe you handled credit cards poorly in college, but now you're on the right track uh, and a family member adds you to their card in order to extend their good credit to you. Well, we've never talked about this before, but you can add your very young children as authorized users in order to give them you know, a bit of a jump start on establishing great credit. And by very young, I mean, even babies. <laughs> I just added our one-year-old to, to one of my credit cards. Actually, like I, I added all four of the kids to that card in order to, to kind of get them set up for you know, a nice long history of, of good credit. Yeah, and I think if you handle credit incredibly well, you can set your kids up for you know at least a, a good start in the credit realm, yeah. and, and that can be a good way to go. And obviously, you're not planning on your kids, especially your one-year-old, using <laughs> that card anytime <laughs> right. soon, right? But because they'll have that solid and long history of on-time payments and low utilization, uh, when they are old enough to get a card in their own name as an adult, that means they'll be in a super solid position. And speaking of being old enough too, Matt, uh, different credit card issuers have different age requirements in order to be added as an authorized user. Some cards like the Blue Cash Preferred, which you've talked about a bunch, they've got a minimum age of 13. So your one-year-old, not going to qualify. But <laughs> but obviously, you used a different card. Which one did you use so that your kids, who are all under 13, were able to qualify? The uh, Yeah, so my Capital One Quicksilver card, there you go. which is a card I use for all of my online purchases that happen on a recurring basis. So I've got one specific card that I use for subscription online subscriptions, basically. And that's all I use that card for. And, and so, they don't have any age limit, so you're good to exactly. add. Exactly. 
play. Any kid. Literally added a one through a seven-year-old, <laughs> got them added, and those cards are on their way. But obviously, yeah, like those aren't cards that they're going to use, uh, but they're going to be able to kind of piggyback off of my proper usage of credit in order to, to get them set up. Can you imagine the thank you that you're going to receive in 20 years when they find out how you've set them up? Honestly, just how much you and I talk about money, they're just they're going to roll their eyes. Like, oh, <laughs> of course you did that, Dad. <laughs> Don't care. Leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you have younger kids, that's definitely something to consider. You know, if, if you are going to handle your credit well, that's something uh, that you can extend to them as early as uh, one year old. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, Matt, let's talk about 529 plans too. Yeah, speaking of kids, let's keep the ball rolling. Let's do it. And yeah, 529 plans are a great way to invest for your child's future, uh, for their schooling. And in particular, 529 plans are typically used for paying for college expenses. And Morningstar recently uh, made changes to their 529 plan ratings. Morningstar is this fantastic site that provides awesome financial reporting and content. They also rate funds that you can invest in. Also, they rate 529 plans from each state, and some are better than others, right? Uh, the disparity in fees and investment choices vary from state to state, and it can be a meaningful difference between each one. And for this year, Morningstar has rated Utah, Illinois, and Michigan as having the top plans out there. We'll link directly to those top-rated plans in our show notes, along with the full Morningstar ratings, but we wanted you to know that because where you invest for your kids, which state's plan that you decide to partake in when you're saving for their college future, it matters. It's going to have a big difference in the ultimate outcome of how much you're able to put away for them. Yeah, those, uh, those states that do really well are, are must be states that Sufjan Stevens likes. <laughs> well, not Utah, I guess, but yeah. Illinois and Michigan. Man, if he created a Utah album, <laughs> I would listen to it. Yeah, and most people interested in signing up for a, a 529 plan don't know a couple of important things, right? First of all, you don't have to sign up with your state's plan, with the state you know where you live. If the state you know you live in has a poorly rated plan, you can invest through one of the top rated ones instead. Also, how it is that you go about signing up for one of these 529 plans, that matters as well, right? You could open that account up you know, through your local bank, uh, but chances are that's going to be a bad move because they typically have a lot of fees associated with those accounts. Instead, we would recommend for you to open up your plan online directly through the state's link. And that's going to be the best way that you can make sure to avoid any of those additional fees that could easily be avoided. Also, too, you know, if your state has a state tax benefit, there's a good chance that you'll want to invest in your state's plan, maybe instead of the plans that you know rank the highest. So, for example, our Georgia plan is rated neutral, which isn't super great. <laughs> there's like gold, silver, and bronze, and then it's just kind of like the meh category. It's not negative, at least, but it's just kind of neutral. But we've got some state tax benefits that they offer. And so that will more than make up for some of its minor inadequacies, you know, like we may not have the best investing options available through the Georgia plan, but those additional state tax benefits are, are going to easily be able to make up for that, you know, those shortcomings. Yeah, for sure. So again, we'll link to um, all that stuff in the show notes, the the Morningstar ratings. And it's just helpful if you're thinking about starting to to save and invest for your kids future. Um, a 529 plan is a great way to do this. You just want to make sure you're doing it the right way. And I think that guide can be helpful. Uh, all right, Matt, let's talk about student loans on the note of paying for college. Uh, who owes the most in student loans? And Doctors. <laughs> probably doctors. Lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They, they do. <laughs> and they probably are not laughing while we're laughing. Is right that now. what you're asking? Or are you specifically talking about like demographic? Yeah, demographic. So, so Fidelity actually just came out with, with a new survey. Uh, you might be surprised, but it's baby boomers that actually owe the most when it comes to student loans. So this new report gives that insight. And this is 
primarily due to Parent PLUS loans and parents of college-age kids taking on a large chunk uh, of their kids' debt burden for them. This is bad news, I think, Matt, for so many reasons. One, many boomers can't afford the debt that they're taking on, especially as they get nearer to retirement. It's like this albatross that they can't get out from under as they're nearing their retirement years. And the average interest rate on these Parent PLUS loans is higher too. So parents, whatever you do, if you've got kids going to college or nearing college, we suggest avoiding Parent PLUS loans at all costs. They're bad bad news. And there are other ways around it. In particular, trying to help your kid find a cheaper place to go to school. If Parent PLUS loans have to be part of the equation, it's just not worth it. Yeah, there are other alternatives as well. Making sure that you apply for as many scholarships as possible, maybe scoring some grants, uh, and even working through college are, are all things that we would recommend uh, over just signing on that dotted line, you know, and, and saddling yourself, you know, your kids, but then also your, you know, you as parents with uh, sometimes some overwhelming debts. Yeah. In student loan debt, you know, like this is obviously an issue in our country. Estimates are, are that we're nearing $1.7 trillion in overall debt for higher education. And everyone should be way more careful before they take out this kind of debt. And Joel, actually on Monday, we're publishing an episode that is going to be making an argument for avoiding higher education altogether and how instead uh, a lot of folks should consider maybe the skilled trades. Uh, for a lot of individuals, I think college has kind of become the default option, but instead there are some legitimate alternate routes that people can take. I'm actually really excited about the interview that we've got slotted for Monday. So yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, read the book. It's called Blue Collar Cash by Ken Rusk. Awesome book. So much good information. And look forward to having that conversation with him because I do think it's something that people should think about more, especially when you look at the overall student loan debt burden of Americans as a whole. And then as you look to see that it's impacting just the, the baby boomer generation the most, the people who, are, who just can least afford to bear these student loans, taking on that kind of debt. Uh, as you're looking to wind down your working career is just is a bad recipe. Um, yeah, and I think that conversation is going to be super enlightening. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, that's going to be it for this episode then. We'll have a link to the articles and the resources we mentioned in our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah, and if you're listening and you found this episode, if you found this show overall very helpful to you and your money, we would be incredibly thankful if you head over to Apple Podcasts uh, and if you left us a solid review over there. And if you've already done that, you know what? Let a friend know about our show. Help us to get the word out and help others to start making smarter moves with their money. So Joel, that's going to be it, buddy. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. 
sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.